Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. another episode of Resilient Minds 365. I'm Cleone Crawford, your host. Today, guys, we have a special guest with you all the way from UK. We have Harriet Barnsley with us. Who is Harriet Barnsley? Well, Harriet Barnsley is a philosophy grad who is birthed out of Birmingham, England. She is currently writing a memoir in her life, she has experienced an RTC, which is a road traffic collision, and is now a wheelchair user. In addition, she lives with TBI, which is traumatic brain, brain injury, bipolar, psychosis, and is a road safety advocate. With that said, I now present to you Harriet Barnsley. Harriet, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't complain. I can't complain. It's been it's been uh, an up and down day, but yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's definitely been an up and down day, but it's it's a good day nonetheless. So, Harriet, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you do, um, your profession, how you got started. Um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about what you what you're currently doing and um, and what you have done. What I'm currently doing, well, so I'm currently volunteering for three different organisations. Um, one of them is a newspaper that so I volunteer as an editor for a newspaper that's read out loud for the blind and partially sighted I volunteer for scope a disability charity I volunteer on a um a helpline for people in need that are like lonely sad or suicidal um I'm a wheelchair tennis player I play that on a regular basis I do like, I do a very, a variety of little things really rather than one big main thing. So yeah, I'm writing a memoir. I've been writing for a while that about my recovery from getting hit by a car, which I'll go into after this, yeah. Um, and now I'm just trying to live a good life, right? You know, like like exercise and eat well and just like, and meditate and do bits of yoga and just trying to like get, add, add, add in as many positive things I can to my life. Okay, cool, cool. So you're writing a memoir. Um, what what motivated you to write this memoir? Well, I understand that you had, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But um, what, what motivated me to start writing the book? Yes. Yeah. So I had a really, really big, really big accident it was the worst of my life. And then a few years later I started a blog to kind of communicate like just tell the world a little bit more about what the pain that I was going through and kind of like make sense of it myself and lots of people like reached out I've had like saying like I had one friend reach out saying she was mentally paralyzed couldn't get out of bed had to have like medication to get out of 
a room to the toilet like and then just saw what happened to me on Facebook and then saw my little milestones like oh I stood up today for the first time in like four months and like like every little milestone and it kind of gave her the courage and strength to get better and move out and get a job and and like and and have a life for herself and I've had that was a very like a big example but I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying like you know what seeing what you go through and what you continue to get go through despite all the challenges and and what you like make life really like inspires me to cope better with mine so then I just after writing a blog for several years I was like I don't really enjoy the writing process so I was like I want to reach more people I want to I want to write a book about it and that's like like put it in a different way and get through to different people because you know like if you want to learn something in life generally like you know you don't want someone to say this is what you should do this is how you fix problems you want to like I don't go away and research it yourself and find out take different bits of people's stories that speak to you Mm -hmm. cool cool that makes sense that makes sense well thank you very much for sharing that your your process and your your motivation for writing your your new book so when do you hope to have it published uh, I've got most of it written I've got well, I've got I've got like a hundred thousand words written I'm just currently growing a social media platform following like a following to, to then get it out to hopefully get a literary agent and then get it all sorted if not I'm gonna self-publish it when I like get around like when I finish it but like I don't know so it's important with a book to have an audience to then like show it to to get it kind of recognized and I've got like 17,000 followers on Twitter and I've started to grow it on the Instagram and just like the more people that I can reach to then hopefully reach with the book I can also reach to talk about other things like road safety and like important matters I think it'll always be good to have a good reach right that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for letting us know what you do. So we're going to move into the um, the mental health piece of the interview. With that said, my first question to you is, what is your mental health diagnosis and when were you diagnosed? Uh, it was organic mood disorder I've had slash psychosis slash bipolar I don't know which one of those overrules it maybe bipolar is the most recent one so like that's the one we're dealing with I don't know that <laughs> but the brains are a funny thing aren't they but um and I received that diagnosis in in like September 2020 mm-hmm. uh, so but like I started to suffer from the mental health thing so that's from the traumatic brain injury gave me like mood disorder and different problems I started to suffer from that like almost straight away after getting the injury and then spent six years not knowing what on earth was going inside my head just thinking it was just specifically to me because I thought it was just my specific brain injury and all the, how every brain's different and all of a sudden so like the things that were going in my head I thought they were just I just I, I, I didn't know how to make sense of them so it, it took six years till I got the diagnosis and the diagnosis has been really freeing because now I know what I'm working with that's good okay that's good okay and the next question so tell us your mental health story of resilience what did you have to go through um the whole journey what was the journey like 
Okay, so I never had mental health problems before I got hit by a car. And then in 2014, I was standing in a bus stop with my oldest best friend and a car crashed into the bus stop at 101 miles an hour, um, which is 60 miles an hour over the speed limit of the road. Killed my friend instantly, put me into a coma. And then I woke up at the coma to like a new world that I just I just couldn't really comprehend it like how do you get your head around what's happened like I've got permanent brain I've got permanent fatigue I've got I had bones growing in the muscle of my hip like for five months ripping apart our muscle morphine didn't take away the pain I was lying in hospital couldn't move a single part of my body and didn't didn't know what was going on or like what had happened but just kind of chose to like deal with it and cope as much as I could for so for the for, for the five years after that I just did all the physical recovery I tried as hard as I could to bury all the pain that I felt inside and just work on my get myself stronger and then after five years um I well I didn't sleep I had I stopped sleeping like quite soon after getting hit by a car but so I, I, st- I didn't sleep I sleep for like 20 minutes a night most nights like and then I got really 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 sad and like felt I just I just didn't know how to keep up with the normal world I didn't feel like I fit in with the normal world anymore and just just not even sad just got depressed just got flat just had nothing in my head there was nothing I couldn't think of anything to say couldn't think of anything to do couldn't think of anything at all like massive mind fog for like three and a half months every single second of the day I thought I had to die to escape the pain but when I was sitting in my car waiting to die the car behind me didn't crash into me and kill me it just like bumped it and then the police pulled me out of my car and put me in a jail cell every night where they were looking for a hospital, hospital bed for me. And in that time, I like I'd closed my eyes and was in the psychosis nightmare where like I, I literally got I, I lived in hell for like for like it felt like an eternity. And I just I can remember what, like all the treatment that was done to me and all the horrible things. It's just like yeah. And then getting out of that headspace has been the most freeing thing ever. Just not not actually living in hell, not being stuck in in the in the terror that was my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your whole question. I can't remember. No, that does. It does definitely, definitely. Wow, that sounds like a crazy journey. Yeah, I mean, the, the the interesting thing with psychosis, I don't know if you know much about psychosis, is the whole, like, I, I just got detached from reality because reality was so hard. I just couldn't understand, like, like, like the world that I have to, I was really physically active before. I was really physically, like, I was athletic and I'd run and run all the time. I'd stand up on my feet, feet for work all the time. And now I can't ever do that again. So I had to learn by like, like, and I can walk a little bit, but I have to use a wheelchair for any distance and just not being able to like move my body has been like, I lost, I lost that train of thought. And you said, what did you say? Sorry. The question. Yeah. Just tell us your mental health story of resilience. Mm. Maybe the last little bit. I forgot the last question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, I can't remember that. Sorry. That's okay. So we'll move to the next question. 
So what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your low points? List all the resources. From all of my low points or well, for, for like the serious bipolar bl blocked out absolutely thing in my mind thinking I had to die I just had to keep going I going and wait out the time like it's just I don't know I don't really like still fairly new to bipolar but like I've had three three and a half month periods that are just like like blackness that I just I can't feel any joy or anything at all and, and whenever I have a high, I then if I if I if I go too high because I I'm, I can get massive highs, but then the the low like is like it's like a natural come down is the worst thing of the world that kind of stops me from chasing the high. But I just have to ride it out because you know like same with I suppose any sort of mental problem at all or any struggle is that you've just got to keep going like you you've just got to like hold on and like. I know I lost all hope, but I still like had like an inkling inside me thinking, hoping that something would happen and something would change so that I could make it through. Mm -hmm. And then that turned out to be getting sectioned was was like getting put into a mental hospital was get was like what I needed because I could surrender. I didn't have to look after myself and I wasn't in a state to function properly. And they did, they looked after me, they fed me, they changed the bed sheets, they like met, gave medication and kind of monitored me. And I needed, I needed to kind of like surrender to that, to someone else helping. So the mental hospital helped you a lot um, mm. in, in your journey. Was there anything else that helped you? Um, to help you bounce back? Yeah. Mum's always helped me the whole time and having people that accepted you and even when you're like, even when I'm ill and saying things that aren't quite right, not having someone challenge me, having someone just accept me has been really important. Exercise has, has been like, but there's all the different little bits, like all the different bits of self-help kind of together. Like it's not just one specific thing. It's, it's, making choices look after myself and and go take the hard route rather than the fast easy route like like it purposely avoiding drinking alcohol when you don't feel when you don't feel well because it doesn't ever help a mental state okay all right the next question i have is what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point all right I'm gonna I'm gonna I wrote these down didn't I for you so I'm gonna get them back up again okay <coughs> okay three things that I wish that I had available at my lowest point um the knowledge that I was suffering from bipolar rather than thinking it was just a specific motivation for me that no one else could relate to I remember googling things being like trying to find more that felt the exact specific things that I was feeling and I couldn't find them on Google and I was just desperate I needed someone that knew it but then now getting now being able to see in hindsight that there was bipolar would have helped a lot because now I can understand what that that what's happening in my brain is actually a, a medical condition a condition is something that can be like treated with medication mm -hmm. uh, and what um other people's stories of how they'd overcome similar things. Again, I, I, I thought I thought I was like, you know, what's it, a man, a man on an island? I thought I was just the only one that had my specific circumstances. And find my stories, 
and the experience is very specific but there are there are so many overlaps with so many different people's stories I just like it's human connection and 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 people and, and learning about other people's struggles and watching how they dealt with them or you know like I just was desperate for information on on how other people had faced horrendous things and got through it like that would have like really like helped you know um And just finding like something would have like, finding a way to deal with the three and a half bipolar, bipolar lows because like I know that I'm going to have another one in the future. And medication doesn't touch it. I've just had to wait them out. It's just been I've just sat there, just been like, well, there's no what's the point of me existing if I can't if I can't talk to people or no fun to be around and I don't enjoy any of the things I like. Like I'm gonna I'd, I'd like a way to deal with them, but I think I just have to go through them. Like I think if I'm gonna live with bipolar that's just something that's going to be part of my life it's just it's just really scary isn't it like it's every single second of the day for like and three and a half months isn't a long time to some people they have things for years but I just I don't know how be, I don't know how to survive that mm -hmm. okay my next question to you is what words of hope can you give to our listeners what would you tell them I'd, I'd, I'd just always say keep going I'd just say keep going and and believe it or not you can deal with whatever is thrown at you you can deal with it even when I like it it might not be convenient or ideal but, but you're able to to accept whatever you get through like whatever comes your way and that in itself is freeing and you, you, just, you can do it like we've all got it inside of us right and my next question is, what's it like, what was it like going from being in someone who's standing, who, who, you know, to, to, to disabled, to being disabled, to being in a wheelchair? Really, really, really hard. It's like, it's like. But I think of all the of all the disabilities, I think it's slightly more accepted now. Like there's the whole world. There's like people people are nice to me when they, when I'm in my wheelchair. They're like specifically they'll smile at me and ask if I need anything. They're like because it's a recognised disability. But um, like for ones that like you know for different challenges, like I don't know different mental illnesses or problems. I think if there's not if you're not in an in a with an aid to show that you're like physically disabled you get, get recognized as much it was it's hard because like as a going from able to disabled means that like I know what I've lost and I know what I was capable of and like I know all the things that I could do that I can never do again and it's trying not to focus on those and wish that people because it's really hard to keep up with the real world in a wheelchair and like I have my friends would see me and their friends that knew me before they'd be like oh can we not just go for this go to this place like you want to come to this gig or like want to walk, go for a walk or just even come to the pub and just like come to the distance and that and they can't seem to comprehend or couldn't seem to comprehend that I can't keep up but it's not physically possible like I just you know people because I, cause I look quite I look quite normal like I look able apart from the fact that I use that I've got a constant foot splint and I use crutches for little distances and wheelchair for bigger but then even then I get out of the 
wheelchair when I arrive at places and people kind of look at me and think oh you're faking it sort of thing and it's a bit like why why would I sit in the wheelchair in the first place if I didn't need one you know Mm -hmm. why would you Mm. wow okay and how is the griefing process um for you for when you became in in the wheelchair um well at first I never really I didn't really grieve for myself because because my best friend was with me at the time and died and like she was the most important person to me outside my family so I kind of just like didn't want to feel bad for myself when she was dead like I just but like eventually over time I kind of had to like it's just I just I've grieved very 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 slowly for myself in little pieces like it's hard to kind of hard to be sad that your body's not as able and your mind is not as able but still know that you can live a beautiful life it feels ungrateful I feel I feel like I don't want to moan to the rest of the world about all the things that I find hard mm-hmm. so it's, it's been just a very staggered process that's like you know Okay, cool. So now we are going to switch topics a little bit. Um, (laughs) So basically, as you can see behind me, there's a book. The book is called The Music of My Life. Um, It's about my journey with music therapy and um, bipolar disorder. So my question to you is what type of music do you like? I want to ask you questions about your story and your book. Okay, no. Um, music, no. So music, I absolutely love grime music. I absolutely love grime and rap. But I just, I don't know why. It's just, it's just, it's just so alive and so energetic. And they're just, they, they're so humorous and they're just so clever with their words. And cool. the bass, the bass is always good. Cool, cool. So grime and rap? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So I've never heard of grime music before. Can you give me an example of one one song that you like? Um, I give you an example of. Uh, so you know, you know Wiley. Who? Wiley? No. Wiley? Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know, Skepta, JME, you don't know, you've never heard of Grime, like, but is it, is it a British thing? I don't know, like. Maybe, maybe. I'll have to look it up. I mean, yeah, I've got a, I just, I can't comprehend it. I, I just, wait, I'm going to get my Grime player stuff and just, like, see. Have you ever heard of Stormzy? Hmm? Stormzy? Have you ever heard of Stormzy? Stormzy. Yeah. No. I'll look them up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry. I can't. I'll look it up. Stormzy. Okay. Cool. So, my next question to you um, if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, what would it be and why? Yeah, I have no idea how to answer that. Like, I just, I mean, there are cheesy, corny songs, but I don't feel like they fit me. I feel like they're quite like, 
I feel, I don't know, I want, I want like a really cool rap song to kind of sum it up, but I can't think of one. What about, wait, yeah. What would you pick? For you, I would pick, I would pick um, Eye of the Tiger from Survivor. Thank you. <laughs> it's a flattering choice of song. Yeah, I like that song. It's a really cool song. Tell me about your music therapy and yet. Well, for me, um, I, 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 just listen, I, I just listen to a lot of music and sometimes I'll either sing or freestyle rap. And um, I used to dance. Um, I, I, music therapy was, was, was big for me, like where I would engage in a lot of music musical expressions um, just to, to kind of, you know, cope with my, with my illness. To like release tension and stuff, to yeah. get it out of you. Yeah, it does. Like for instance, when I was going through my depression for one month, I'd play, I played the song Happy from Pharrell um, for one month straight. Mm. And, and it's just so I can get out of out of the depression, and so I would dance to it, I would sing to it, and I would just keep playing it over and over and over until I actually was able to connect with the lyrics to give you like a little bit of respite, just a break from your like feeling so like exactly yeah mm-hmm yeah so music therapy is very important to me I think it's it's important. I think that hospitals and that they, they should have music therapy programs, you know, because it's helpful. So I really, really relate to like all of that because um, so but so whenever I get ill from I've been put in hospital twice with psychosis and each time they take my driving license off me because obviously like, you know, that I've got a medical license and I'm not I'm not safe to drive if I'm ill. Mm-hmm. but that's that's like a double-edged sword because when I'm well and I'm fine like because I can't do the physical exercise um and I can't like you know run to music or walk to music and stuff I get in my car and I put on like all like my favorite songs and just drive around like in the sun just listening to it kind of like that's like takes the place of like of like have not being able to ever run again I, I kind of get it from that so like when I can't when I'm not allowed to drive because I'm ill it's kind of like that really helps me it's really like medicine mm-hmm. yeah music is music is definitely medicine for sure for sure mm. so my last question is how can we stay in touch with you what are your social media handles cool yeah thanks um so one of the best ways is if find a way to reach me is to just type Harriet Barnsley into Google um my Twitter is Harriet Barnsley I assume that you're going to write my name on this thing afterwards um my blog is called this too shall pass 464 but just like put my name to Google and you'll be able to find a way of, to contact me but probably best on Twitter really because that's my main platform for yeah. find you perfect yeah so in the show notes i will be posting your contact information based on what you've sent to me already 
yes please that'd be great yeah i'll be posting your posting your information in the show notes um yeah well harriet well thank you very much for being a guest on our show um we learned so much uh it was definitely a really great story um to thanks learn. for having me yeah you're welcome thanks for, for being a guest on the show I really appreciate it with that said um to all you resilient minds out there until next time please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on 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 apple Podcasts. also join the, the community of resilient minds and sign up for a monthly newsletter at cleonicrawford.com be sure to grab a copy of my book the music of my life on all amazon marketplaces to get to know me better if you can think of one person that can receive value from today's show or who can receive value from today's testimony or connect with the testimonial, please share it with them. Feel feel free to share, uh, feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at only Cleone and Resilient Mind 365. And remember, mental health is not death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford, and I'm signing off.